Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this special five-part series, I'm joined by Mikhail Reeder-Gordon, Managing Director of Global Affairs at Affiliated Monitors, where she draws on her extensive subject matter expertise to manage the monitorships of corporate clients' assets and advise in matters of ethics and compliance. We consider why independence is so critical to monitorships, the ABA guidelines around monitorships, Mikhail's teaching compliance investigations at the International Anti-Corruption Academy. We look at cultural differences between international and domestic monitorships. And we conclude with an evolution of situations requiring a monitor. I know you will enjoy this podcast series. It's a fascinating exploration of multiple issues with a knowledgeable subject matter expert. In this fifth and final episode, we look at the evolution of situations which require or need a monitor. This series is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. This is Tom Fox back again for our concluding episode in our five-part exploration of aspects of monitorships with Mikhail Gordon from Affiliated Monitors. Today, we're going to take a look at that veiled land of the future look at evolution of situations involving a monitor. So first of all, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. Mikhail, one of the things we have touched upon in this podcast series has been uh, a core expertise of yourself in the area of not only technology, but its intersection with law. Uh, And so I was wondering if you might uh, give us some thoughts about how this intersection of law and technology, including privacy, data management, and data bias, uh, have, uh, are really driving the conversations that you are having with clients around oversight and monitorships? Sure. Um, I I think, you know, the first thing that that comes to mind, that that the trend, if you will, the real growth in uh, monitoring entities that have violated data privacy laws. And and this can come uh, not from any overt um, uh, poor decision on their part or action. It could be from a data breach or it could be they misuse data they control. I mean, we we look at some of the very public um, data uh, misuse, such as Facebook, But we also, because of uh, evolving privacy laws, the the GDPR in the EU, the forthcoming CCPA that will go into effect January 1, 2020, um, uh, 
think this is where we have just seen an explosive growth. Companies are a little on the back foot. Um, and, and I think they forget, you know, part and parcel of, of, of all modern, um, if, you, if you will, modern commerce, modern business, um, be it for-profit or non-profit, is data. It's information. I think a lot of entities have, have really not fully incorporated, incorporated that into their overall compliance program structure. And, uh, and so monitors now are, are addressing both directly monitoring how an entity is, is handling their data. Are they complying either with privacy laws or data security uh, standards, as well as in other forms of monitorship where it's data intensive and there may be uh, personal identifying information or sensitive corporate information. Uh, sensitive IP and trade secrets, all of that needs to be considered when uh, monitors are working with uh, a monity. <laughs> so let me change the focus just a little bit and um, ask you the following. Can you tell us how monitorships fall into different categories based on the type of remediation effort a monitor is there to achieve? Well, sure. Um, if if we think about if if like how AMI was formed was um, because our our managing partner had the idea that there had to be something beyond um, just removing a professional such as a, a doctor uh, from practice for violating uh, the business professions code, and, and we see that with so many uh, regulated professions. Is there something else that can be done that doesn't remove them completely from practice? Um, and from that all the way up the spectrum to uh, very large multinationals um, under a consent decree or under uh, a DPA that, that may run um, you know, 10 years or more. Facebook's under a consent decree that runs 20 years very different approaches, obviously, and and how we structure that, we're going to be married essentially to to that uh, entity or individual being monitored for some period of time. So there needs to be trust. Uh, we're not adversaries, and uh, we need to adopt a cooperative approach um, to get out front of it initially and and to express expectations on both sides be candid, helpful when working with us. And I, I think, you know, Professor Veronica Root a number of years ago astutely documented that monitorships fall into these different categories based on the type of remediation effort that the monitorship is, is really meant to achieve. And these, these different categories necessitate different structures to achieve these goals. Um, you know, we can't adopt universal rules and say, okay, all monitorships must behave this way. You know, differences, differences really matter when, when we're uh, establishing what that monitorship, that oversight program is going to look like. Um, so, so if you think about it, um, you know, if, if a company is subject to a criminal investigation and they've identified problems from an internal investigation, 
then maybe it makes sense right from the beginning, uh, even prior to entering into a settlement agreement, right, to talk about before we self-disclose, before we enter DPA negotiations, if we brought in a monitor now um, and, and they can advise us on remedial steps and improvements immediately to the corporate ethics and compliance program, we're essentially demonstrating to the regulator the seriousness, right? They, they are t- demonstrating that they take this matter seriously um, and this is a preemptive action that evidences genuine desire to comply with the letter and spirit of the law, and, and it can have real impact, right? Regulators, when they see that, they, they can say, okay, this is, this is a company that's taking this seriously. In, in other instances, it may be a narrow component of a company's behavior or an entity's behavior that really they've already taken the steps and the agreement is that we're going to just check their homework. They already know what they need to change. They've made the change, and and this is checking their homework. And that's what we do, um, if if that's what's required. In others, in other situations, it may be much more heavily investigative or testing um, how well a whistleblower program is genuinely working. Um, it did. The Financial Times just just this past weekend had an investigative report on the Big Four and how they handle whistleblower complaints. And it wasn't a terribly flattering article. Concerns around how whistleblowers are treated um, can say a lot about the true ethics of a company and whether the corporate culture is really correctly calibrated to handle complaints that come in via their hotline. So where do those complaints go? Um, particularly when they can be around really personal or sensitive subjects and how they're subsequently dealt with. That's a situation right for a monitor, but it's a very different approach than, say, um, that criminal investigative scenario I just painted. Well, first of all, I have to say you win the ultimate award. You're the first person in all my years of podcasting who has cited to an FT article, so kudos for that. (laughs) I read the same article, um, but let me let me end on this note because this is another theme that uh, AMI has really talked about throughout its podcast series, and I wanted to get sort of your take on it. And that's proactive monitorships. Uh, you really have spent quite a bit in this podcast series talking about the positive aspects of monitorships and how monitors work with both companies and regulators. But could we take that to the step of a proactive monitorship? or perhaps there is not yet a regulator in place, or perhaps there's an investigation going on. How does a proactive monitorship, how do you view that? Um, I'm, I'm, of course, hugely in favor of it because, in my opinion, you you ought to be getting in front of things um, before a problem uh, gets to a crisis point. I mean, let's go back to, uh, you know, the technology. We operate in a data-driven economy, you know there are new data privacy and security um, requirements and challenges up ahead. You're not quite certain where that fits in um, to your overall compliance program. You anticipate one breach and you will suddenly find yourself um, in front of the FTC. 
that's you know that's the perfect opportunity to say ah okay maybe a proactive monitor coming in and and helping us get a handle on on how we ought to be addressing these risks and these problems before the crisis point um there's a lot of value in that and it can put an organization on the right footing to then really i mean they don't need us in perpetuity they don't need us for 10 years um in a proactive setting but it it sets the right tone it it also that neutral independent uh assessment can really um be of value to an entity that says okay so now we know what to do um we we've sort of focused our efforts here and and i think that um you know identi- for for both internal and external stakeholders uh where vulnerabilities and threats are are then perhaps um reduced and and they feel like they have a plan i think that's that's invaluable Mikhail, uh, we unfortunately we're the ne- near the end of our time for this episode, uh, but I wanted to thank you. This has just been a, a fascinating exploration of a lot of different areas and aspects of monitorships uh, that we don't talk about enough. So I wanted to thank you, and I greatly look forward to continuing this conversation with you in another podcast series. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Uh, it's my pleasure, and thank you so much to the Compliance and uh, Ethics blog. And uh, I look forward to listening in on uh, your other podcasts, uh, continuing to listen in. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of our five-part series exploring aspects of monitorships with Mikhail Gordon, Managing Director at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on Affiliated Monitors, check out their website, www affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you'll join us again for another episode where Mikhail and I take a look at another aspect of monitorships, which is something that you should consider in your compliance program going forward. This five-part series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.